This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notify button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Hey guys, just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, RX Smart Gear. They've been a wonderful partner uh, over this last month in supporting our podcast and getting the word out about it uh, and participating on it. Uh, we just want to thank Dave Newman and RX Smart Gear for everything they've done. Don't forget, anything in the store, you can use our discount code Clydesdale15, all caps, to get 15% off everything in the store with the exception of uh, special editions and new releases. That's Clydesdale 15, all caps. Uh, I have been a user of RX Smart Gear jump ropes uh, since 2014. They are the best in the business. I've got friends that are now using their grips and uh, love them immensely. So, hey, now's the time to get it for 15% off. Go check it out at rxsmartgear.com. Uh, Clydesdale 15 for 15% off everything in the store. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am your host. I'm the Clydesdale. We like to do fitness. And these are my friends. I have my co-host, Amy Radowski, and we have a special friend today, Ellie Turner. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So we are recording this the Sunday after Wadapalooza, so a week later. And Ellie kind of burst on the scenes in the first two events of Wadapalooza by winning those. And then everybody knew her name. So what was that like to come to the States, beautiful weather, and you go out there on the first two events and you crush both of them? Mm -hmm. um, it was a complete surprise. I didn't expect it at all. I actually, um, sort of said to my coach before the competition, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling great. I, I don't think I'm going to, not that I had any expectations, but I also, I just didn't think I was going to do very well. And I hadn't been um, feeling my usual mojo since after the game. So I was a little bit um, scared to compete again. And, you know, you always get those nerves and, um, yeah, I, I did. I just, I didn't know what to expect. So going out there, even in the first event um, and coming off with a win was just a complete surprise. Um, and then to back it up and do it again was just like, I could have never even have dreamt of doing that. Um, it definitely gave me a sense of confidence and belief leading into the um, rest of the weekend I, I knew there was still a long weekend to go um, but it definitely sort of gave me that little bit more drive and um, confidence going into the next few events so uh, I have a couple questions from here one mm -hmm. the 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 rig the flip sled the flip sled brand new yeah. apparatus had have you ever done anything like that before um I hadn't tried the particular flip sled that we use, but I had used the pig at the games. Um, that was the first time I touched a pig. 
um, yeah, it was at the game. So this was the second time. I did find it probably a little bit easier um, at Waterpalooza just because you have the handles. Um, and I knew I, in the warm-up area, I saw a lot of the girls, they were sort of using one motion to try and flip the sled. Um, they were sort of bringing it straight up to their shoulders and flipping over. But um, after going through a few practice runs, um, me and my coach decided that I was just going to, you know, take it pretty steady, get it to my hips, get it to my shoulders and then over and just try and be as consistent as possible with that technique. Um, and that felt very natural to me. I sort of felt like I got into a bit of a flow with it. Um, and I knew that if I could just be as consistent as possible, that was going to um, get me the best outcome. Yeah, I, I think it worked. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I knew that um, I just had to run my own race with something like that, especially it being a new movement. Didn't really know what was going to happen or how it was going to feel like in that third and fourth round. But we knew that it was a long workout and the minute rest can sometimes fool, fool you and sort of make you go out a little bit harder than what you want or um, can hold on to. So I knew that, you know, first, second round, get a bit of a feel for it. Don't panic too much and then try and make your move in the third and fourth round. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you overall coming into Waterpalooza, what was the goal coming in? Um, the reason I did Waterpalooza was to try and get as much competition experience um, as I could leading into the season. Uh, I sort of started competing right at the start of 2020. My first major comp was um, the Australian CrossFit Championship, which was in March of 2020. Um, which of course was right before COVID hit. Um, so I didn't have much comp experience leading into last season. I didn't really know where I was going to rank or be at with my training. Um, so to then make the games and that be pretty much my like third major comp, I just realised that competing is very different to training. I mean, I always knew that, but having going through that experience just sort of cemented that fact that I need to get better at just the competition process of warming up, cooling down, eating around events, um, managing nerves, managing emotions. Um, so heading into Waterpalooza, that was my goal was to practice competing and practice transitions, practice um, staying composed and working on all those little fine details that over the weekend can add up quite significantly. Um, and so if I look at that as a whole, I definitely got what I went in, set, out, set out to do, which was gain that experience. I mean, I, I experienced winning events and being at the top of the leaderboard. And then I experienced obviously not doing as well in some events and dropping down and having to deal with that um, on the weekend and then go back out and still try and perform as best as I could. Um, so that was pretty much my main goal. 
um, in saying that, you know, you're always, I, I don't ever go into a competition just wanting to compete and just being okay with, you know, whatever placing I, when I compete, I, I do want to win. And as much as I've tried to rein that in a little bit, I can't help it. And as soon as I'm on the floor, I'm like, okay, game time. I want to win this event. And um, yeah, even if I know that I probably won't, it's still at the back of my mind, like that competitive mentality of wanting to do as best as I can and um, be the best, I guess. Well, I think that's such an important piece too, that a lot of other non-athletes don't even think about that. It's so much more than just the training, right? The, the when to fuel your body and when um, to eat and, and rest appropriately during those events is, is such an important piece. And you can't really train that unless you're doing it in a competition style thing. Yeah. Um, how did the, the change and uh, delays with the weather and all that do um, to, your, to your vibe or your confidence and, and all that? How did that kind of play in there? Um, it was definitely tricky and I'd never really experienced anything like that before. Um, just sort of the nervous anticipation, trying to keep yourself preoccupied, but also not knowing if we were going to compete, when we were going to compete, were we going to do all the events, were we going to do one of the events? Like it was even, and even when we got called back to the venue, it was still up in the air um, whether we were going to, you know, do one of the events just because of the safety and it was wet and they ended up changing a few of the components of the workout. Um, it's, it, I'm not going to lie, it was, it was tough for me, like mentally trying to stay switched on all day, but also not switched on enough that I was going to burn out before we competed. Um, so I guess it's just another thing to add to the toolbox of experiencing now. And next time I won't be as surprised or as shocked by it. Um, but there's definitely things I could have done better. Um, but in all in all, I think I, you know, kept myself pretty sane all day, um, as best as I could for the situation that we were given. Kind of, uh, piggybacking on this theme, you had six top 10 finishes out of eight mm -hmm. events, two of those were outside the top 10. What mm -hmm. learning experience came from the two outside the top 10? Um, I think probably for me, it's just like trying to pick myself up after the event, knowing that I didn't do as well as I would have liked, um, but then still, you know, accepting it, feeling the emotions that come along with it, and then just getting straight back out and doing the next event. Um, as if it was your first event still. I like I knew that those both of those were going to be difficult. So I didn't expect to win. Um, but yeah, as I said earlier, you still you still want to do well. So it's it still hurts, but um, yeah, trying to pick yourself up after you've felt that sort of like devastation, you've you've just got to get back on with it and you can't let it affect your next event because then you'll be feeling those emotions again. So trying to, you know, pick up the pieces and um, yeah, get back out and do as well as I could in the following events. Um, that was probably the main learning experiences from those. 
Yeah, it's funny because you know six out six out of eight top tens is really really good, and a lot of athletes would kill to have that kind of a, a weekend. But every, all the athletes we talk to, all they can remember are the two that like the two that weren't there, right? And mm-hmm. how do you how do you overcome that? And how do you not let that affect the rest of your weekend? Um, I think that's cool because it's it gives you that learning experience that you can't get in training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, you have a bad workout in training and it's just that you, you finish the day, you go home, you recover, you move on. But when it's in competition and, you know, people are there watching and talking about it, that's when it can affect you. So I think just learning how to deal with that and moving on is yeah, great moving forward to my like competition season this year. Well, let's finish Wadapalooza with a high note. What was your favorite event and why? Um, I think it potentially would be the flip sled event just because I, I did not expect to do well in that at all. Um, I, I mean, I broke up. We, we went in with a bit of a conservative game plan um, and we didn't really know if it was going to work or not. Um, and so when it paid off and it was just a complete surprise, that was a pretty good feeling. Um, I only really realised myself when I was going back to the flip set in the last round, I was like, shit, I'm, I might do this. Like this is, I'm getting close here. Um, so that was probably my favourite just because, yeah, I, I completely surprised myself. Um, the feeling I got after the Fran event was also a highlight just because I, I knew that I could do well in that event. I, I love to hurt and um, those sorts of workouts, low skill, high hurt is the workouts that I enjoy or not enjoy, but I know that I can make a move on. Um, so it wasn't, although I was still surprised to win, it wasn't as much of a surprise as that first one. I knew I could capitalize on that. Um, but just the feeling of winning two in one day was just unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, you seem to love that echo bike. Oh, I don't know if love's the right word to use. <laughs> um, I, I do love the feeling after the echo bike of, you know, giving your all, but, when you're on there and you're looking down at the screen and it's not moving, um, that's not fun. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's go back to, um, actually, I want to ask you what, what have you seen as an uptick, um, after the kind of a coming out party for you? Yes. You're a games athlete from last year. Um, but it was your rookie season. Then you mm-hmm. come to Wadapalooza and you actually make a statement. Have you seen, like a, a a rise in like popularity on your Instagram or any of those things after this? Um, yeah, there's definitely been, I guess, a little bit more interest. Um, and I think people have a rough idea of who I am now. I'm, I think being from Australia, uh, we are in a little bit of a bubble down there. Um, it's a little bit harder to get recognized and, um, popularity but you know I don't do this for um, recognition I do this because I love it and um, it's my passion 
so I although I have seen a little bit of a rise afterwards it it doesn't change my effort or how I approach competitions or anything like that so it is nice to at least have your name known at competitions now but it's it doesn't really change much for me yeah and I think where it does help though is with sponsorships right because Mm -hmm. you're doing this trying to make this your career and in your full-time gig and any help with sponsorships to pay for that is is a good thing oh yeah for sure 100 percent. so let's go back in time um you grew up in Australia and in a very rural area. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like growing up in the country in Australia? Um, it was amazing. I think it's one of those things that at the time you take for granted and you don't realize how good you had it until you're sort of older and past that point and you look back and you're like, wow, that was pretty amazing. Um, we, I have four brothers as well and I'm from like a fairly big family. So Um, in country towns, pretty much the whole focus is around sport and weekend sport. And in the summer, it's um, like basketball and cricket. And then in the winter, it's football and netball. Probably you might not be um, familiar with a few of those sports that I named then, but they're big Aussie sports. So um, pretty much, you know, I, I lived for the weekends and just playing sport and being outdoors and being around the rest of the town because the whole town and community get around each other. Um, and, you know, after school during the week, we, it was a safe community. So we'd ride our bikes or walk down to the main street or to the beach and just spend time with friends. And we didn't really have to worry about safety too much, which I didn't even realize was a thing until I got older and I was like, wow, we were, very lucky and uh, we were able to do that. So um, yeah, I definitely took it for granted at the time, but now looking back, it was such a great childhood. And I often think like if I ever did raise a family, I would like love to, you know, raise them in a country town. Just, I feel like you have a little bit more freedom and um, opportunities out there. Yeah. And when I was doing research, um, it, it said that you had played basketball and netball and I had no idea what netball was. Yeah. I didn't even realize that no one knew what netball was here until people have asked me and I've had to explain it, but it is fairly big in Australia. It's not as like, it's not massive, but it's a Commonwealth. It's at the Commonwealth games. So for the Commonwealth countries, most of them would know what it is. Um, sort of like basketball, but a little bit like more restricted in terms of where you can go on the court. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did you find CrossFit in, in your growing up? Um, so obviously I was pretty um, jam-packed growing up with the team sports Um, I tried pretty much most team sports that I could, that I had access to in the country. Um, And then I went, so I grew up about two hours out of Adelaide in a town called Moonta Bay, um, which is by the beach. And then when I was in year 10, um, I went to a boarding school in Adelaide. So Adelaide's our main city um, in South Australia. Um, So I went there 
I continued playing team sports for the school and um, for a club. And then I, um, once I graduated year 12, I went to university um, and studied physiotherapy. Um, and that was quite a full on course. Um, so for the first year, um, I wasn't playing, I stopped playing team sports and just dedicated myself to study. I was also trying to get into medicine at the time. So I had a lot on my plate um, and I was just going to a regular gym just to, you know, keep fit and healthy, but um, didn't take up too much of my time and energy. Um, but I got bored of that quite quickly. I'm very competitive. So without having that competitive edge of the team sport or anything like that, I was um, not very fulfilled. So um, a few people had recommended CrossFit to me and I'd sort of seen a couple of like videos and um, I think I'd watched maybe a documentary on Netflix. Um, so I had a rough idea of what it was, but I wasn't heaps keen on trying it, especially doing physiotherapy. You know, people always talk about, oh, you get so injured doing CrossFit and it's so bad for your body. And um, so I definitely went in with a bit of a like negative mindset on it but I was also open to trying anything because I was pretty bored with just your regular globo gym um but my first time trying it I didn't love it I um I remember thinking like what are we doing we've literally just used like a pvc pipe just like a lot of standing around and then I worked out for 10 minutes and I was used to doing a lot so I was just, yeah, I, I wasn't like, like 10 minute so, workout. What's this? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> and it was very good at the time. Like the coach there made me scale it all. Cause it was my first class. So I think they were doing like handstand push-ups and like pull-ups and things like that. And I was doing like ring rows and push-ups. So it was very like basic, which is the right way to go about it. But I was a little bit like, Oh, I don't know about this. Um, so I still had about a month left on my membership at a Globo gym. So I went back and did that um, for the month. But when that um, expired, I decided to go back and try CrossFit again. Um, and that was about the same time as Tia had won her first games in 2017. Um, so that was also the year that, you know, that was between Tia and Kara being two Aussies. It was quite like well-known in Australia at that time. So um I remember watching that and seeing just the emotion and like, yeah, it was just watching Tia win that year. From that point on, I decided like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and pretty much from then on, I dedicated my life to being better and competing in CrossFit. So you said you studied physiotherapy. Mm -hmm. Did you graduate with yeah. your degree? Um, yeah, and I was so, in my second year when I found CrossFit, but that was a non-negotiable for me. I, I knew I wanted to finish my degree, at least get it, and then decide what to do from then. Well, it's it's kind of um, fortuitous that you went into a field that can also help you in what you're trying to do with your physical activity. So how much do you use that schooling to help you in your day-to-day? -day? Um, it definitely helps a lot just in understanding the way that you can move and the muscle groups like that you're utilizing and how to get 
better and even when you feel like little niggles or little like um you know like you start getting pain somewhere I can generally get on top of it pretty quickly I still see you know a physio like I've got my own team that deals with my body but um it definitely helps to have a good understanding even when they're explaining what they're doing and what's going on I can like resonate with it a lot easier than probably I would be able to if I didn't have that knowledge yeah and so so then you actually start doing the open and your improvement from 2018 to 2021 was significant from 1042nd in Australia your first year mm-hmm. all the way to third um, and you went from 1042 to 104 to 26 to three yeah. um, and so how much confidence did that give you that every year you saw that improvement moving toward your goal? Um, to be honest, I, I always just can't believe it. I, I always think I'm like, wow, like I, I must've just had a good workout or I must've, some, they must've stuffed up. Like I, I still can't get my head around the fact that, you know, that I did well in the open and, um, I made the games like there's, I always second guess myself, which is something that, you know, I'm definitely working on now. Um, and I think as well, going from a year of nothing. So the year, of you know, COVID 2020, not even like just training in my garage and not having anyone around. I'd had no idea where I stacked up. Um, so going into the, 2021 open was pretty scary um you know you've just I decided not to work as a physio I decided to you know take on CrossFit as my career so I didn't know if it was going to pay off I I had no idea so that was definitely pretty nerve-wracking um going into that open and then coming third in Australia was I wouldn't it was a like it was a relief because you know, you see the hard work has um, paid off in the long run, but you never quite feel comfortable. You you always feel like there's someone that's coming up that's going to take your spot. So as relieving as it was to come third, I never felt like it was like a given, you know? Yeah. And, and the open doesn't punch your ticket to anything. It's no. just it's just a leaderboard that you kind of get to look at and see where you stand, but you still have to go through quarterfinals and semifinals. Mm -hmm. Um, But you did, you did really well there as well. Um, But then you go to the Torian pro for semis. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you'd only really done one big competition before that. And here you are. And in Australia, that is, that's a big event. Yeah. Like Torian is famous. Then they add that as a semi and you, you were there in front of all these people and that's where it, you have to make it pay off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have to give credit to the Australian and New Zealand community. I think because we don't have many competitions there, um, when we do have one, the community just get around it. And it's like the atmosphere was just incredible. Like they do it so well. Yeah. So, so what was that weekend like at the Torium Pro? You know, CrossFit kind of did Australia dirty by 
taking their their number of of game spots from five to three, mm-hmm. which there's been a lot of debate about that since that has happened, that that is unjust. And really from the quality of athletes that come out of that area, that's too low of a number. So now you're down to three spots to get into the games and you're in, you're in the same region as Tia and Kara and a, and a stacked full field of, of great women athletes. Yeah, I think I might be biased, but I, I do think our caliber of athletes is incredible and we are a little bit gypped to only get three spots, but that's also completely out of my control. So I think I didn't expect to um, get a qualifying position, but I also didn't rule myself out. Um, I knew going in, I was going to have to fight really hard um, and just give my best effort in all of the workouts. And if that was enough, that was going to be amazing. And if not, I just had to move on and focus on the next season. Um, but yeah, knowing that what, like our spots are very limited and we've got such amazing athletes down there. Um, it was, it was tough. Thankfully, um, Tia took one of the American spots. So thanks Tia, um, opened up one more for us, um, which was great. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be, it was challenging last year and it's going to be just as challenging in all the years to come because we've got such great talent down there, especially coming through. Um, you speak of Tia Cara and I mean, Jamie Simmons is down there as well. Um, but there's just as many other girls trying to make their mark as well that are coming through that are like incredible athletes as well. Yeah. So, so you make it to the games, you, mm-hmm. you finish third at Torian. Was your family able to be there and share it with you? They came to Torian, uh, which was incredible. I had such a good support crew. Um, quite a few friends from the gym that I train and work at came as well. Um, and then unfortunately, because of pricing and travel and restrictions and quarantines, they weren't able to come to the games. Um, but yeah, I, I think one of the things that I can be so grateful for is my support crew and just the amount um, that I receive over message and um, every night I'd get back to my phone and it would just be flooded full of support, no matter if I did well or if I didn't do well, they, they're proud of me no matter what. So knowing that was um, great, but yeah, obviously it would have been so nice to have them at the games, um, but it just wasn't feasible. Has so, anybody else in your family followed suit and uh, joined CrossFit or, or jumped on that bandwagon? Um, no, not really. My my brothers do participate in some form of CrossFit. They are both, um, they play AFL, which is Australian rules football. Um, so they do like dabble in it, but it's it's not there. Then they're not going to compete. They just do it to keep fit and try um allow me not to beat them by too much so australians are known for their celebrations mm-hmm. so after torian what did you do to celebrate your your games ticket um i went and had a chicken parmy which well i i wanted to have one after the games as well but i did not realize that your chicken parmy is not 
an Australian chicken parmi. Like our chicken parmi is like chicken schnitzel with like tomato sauce and cheese. It's like a pub meal and then with chips or like I think you call them French fries. Whereas mm. I came over, I wanted to get a chicken parmi and Michelle, my coach, was like, showed me a picture and it was on pasta. I was like, what is this? Crazy. So, so we have we have the version, the Australian version. Oh, you do? Yeah, the, like you can get it as a sub or a sandwich. Is that what you're talking about? Like, No, no, it's just like a, it's just on like, it's just a chicken schnitzel with chips. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't the same over here. So, but after touring, I had a chicken parmi, which was amazing. It's like my favorite. Um, and then I just spent time with um, family. I went to a place called Byron Bay, which is a beautiful town um, near where we compete and just relaxed for a few days and tried to soak in like that I'd literally just achieved my lifelong goal. So um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty incredible time. So then you get to the games, mm-hmm. it's your rookie season, your first time there. And as you mentioned, um, your family couldn't come. So you were kind of there on your own and you, it's your first experience. What was that like? Um, it, it started off pretty stressful. Uh, I hate traveling. I hate flying. So the trip over was just a pretty anxiety provoking experience for me. Um, and then I get into America and I get taken into Homeland Security. So that was literally the scariest moment of my life. They took my phone and my passport um, and they were potentially not going to let me in. Um, But then I got through that, made it to my hotel eventually after, I think it was close to like 35, 40 hours of travel all by myself for the first time in the States. Um, And then the lead up, I had a couple of injuries that were not ideal. I couldn't really train properly. Um, So the whole experience before the games was fairly stressful. And I think it took away, I tried to not let it, but I think it did take away from the whole experience um, a little bit. And then, you know, not being able to celebrate it with your family and friends is also hard. Just, you know, you, you compete for the day and then you go back to your hotel room and you just by yourself and it's, it's, it feels a little bit surreal. Um, But in saying that, like, it was still just an incredible experience to be around the people that you watched and admired for so long. Um, Yeah, it was, it was just crazy. I tried to take it all in, but it's, it's quite overwhelming when, when you've had an idea of something for so long and then you're actually living it. Um, it was, it was crazy. So did you finally feel comfortable when they put an echo bike on the floor Yeah, and, and let you go to town? Um, well, to be honest, I, I didn't really know that I was good at echo biking or good at those sorts of workouts until that moment or like, I hadn't really tested myself in that situation. I'd done it in the gym, but I trained by myself. So I'm comparing against my times. Um, So when they put it out there, I was like, well, I know I 
I can push myself and go hard. So this is the time to do it. And yeah, it paid off, which was great. Yeah. So that's, so then you, you finished 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I met you. And that is when kind of the wheels came off the Ellie Turner, Ellie Turner train. Mm-hmm. And you had got a call that they, that they had canceled your flights back to Australia. So kind of walk us through what happened at that point. Um, they hadn't canceled the flight. So what was happening is the Australian government were only letting a certain amount of international travellers in per week or per day or something of that extent. Um, so it was, I think the plane was only allowed 16 people on there. Um, and there was a massive wait list to get back into Australia. So we were sort of kept getting bumped off our flights. They weren't getting cancelled. They were still operating, but because of COVID, um, yeah, we weren't allowed back in because they needed a certain amount of hotel beds back in Australia. Um, so we eventually got on a flight back. Um, I was with two of the other Aussies, Jay and Maddie. Um, and when we got there, we were escorted, police escorted to a hotel um, where we stayed for two weeks and you had to stay in the place that you arrived. So we arrived in Sydney because that was the only place that was taking international travellers at that time. Um, but I'm from Adelaide in South Australia, so another state. So I did my two weeks hotel quarantine in Sydney, but because the borders were shut between states, when I flew back to Adelaide, I had to do another two weeks because technically I was in Sydney out and even though I was in a hotel and I hadn't had contact with anyone, I was just treated as if I was just a member of the public. Um, So that was a long and painful experience. And before I did it, I I knew that I was going to have to do the two weeks in a hotel and I accepted that. But then when I found out I was going to have to do another two weeks, it just like ruined me. Yeah, I'm sure it crushed your spirit. I mean, just that's a mental game in its own. I mean, just yeah. doing that by yourself. I can't imagine having yeah. to do it. No twice. fresh air, like no kitchen facility. So you can't cook your own food. Um, I'm very like routine and structured. And it was just, yeah, very outside my comfort zone. Yeah, I just spent 10 days quarantined in my house with my family. And I was, I it was horrible. Like uh, depression sat in, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to get out and see something other than the four walls around you. Yeah, so it's quite rough. you get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how long did it take you to get back into training? Did, did, were you jonesing to get back after being in a hotel for four weeks? Um, I was doing bits and pieces in the hotel, but mostly just to kill time and to keep myself somewhat sane. Um, so then after when I got out of all the quarantines, um, I was keen to go back and see just my friends at the gym and do a few like class workouts. But to be honest, like the quarantine had more of an effect on my mental health than what I first thought it would. Um, so I wasn't really in the headspace to push myself or to make myself train or to do any of that. Um, and I struggled with that for quite a while. Um, and it probably just set me off on the back foot. Um, so then when I did get back into training and 
um, trying to push myself. I just, yeah, I just wasn't in the right headspace. And then I know as well that you wanted to come early to the States um, before Wadapalooza and that even got messed up with COVID and flights. So you have had like the worst travel experiences in the last year of anybody that I know. Yeah, it's, it's been rough. It's definitely tested my resilience. Um, but I think everyone's going through their own fair share of COVID drama in one form or of, of another. So, I mean, I can't complain. I can't like everyone's in a shitty situation. So, um, yeah, yeah, it didn't go as smoothly as what I would have liked, but I got here in the end and that's all that really matters. So your coach is Michelle Laton. Mm -hmm. um, when I talked to you at the games, that was the first time you had met her mm -hmm. in person and she had been coaching you for a while. So yeah. I want, I want you to talk about the relationship that the two of you have and why Michelle is the, the best choice as your coach. Um, we have a great relationship. We get along really well, um, which, you know, lucky considering that we met for the first time um, in Madison. Um, but I've been with her since like June of 2020. So we, you know, we chatted heat. We almost chat every day, I'd say at least on message. And then we'd done quite a few phone calls and FaceTimes and things like that. So we had a rough idea of each other before meeting in person. Um, but I think Michelle is just great because, you know, she's obviously a past games athlete um, and that's not a make or break for a coach. But I think for me personally, when I have had, um, you know, self-doubts and feelings after events, she's like majority of the time being through something very similar. So she knows where you're coming from and how you're feeling and, um, she can help, you know, talk to you about it and reason it with you and work through it. So um, in that sense, it's been great. But I just love, you know, how she goes about her programming and um, she's very smart and um, she's got our best interests at heart. So, she, like, I've just felt so comfortable and I trust her um, completely. So it's been such a great fit. So you made the decision to mm -hmm. move from Australia to Montreal uh, to be closer to Michelle and train um, with her. Now, I saw on Instagram that you did the, uh, the yearly thing that we get to do, and that's the shopping cart sled push through the snow. Yeah. So what, how, how rough has it been going from Australia to Montreal in the middle of winter? Uh, you've been there a week, so... Mm -hmm. How's it been? Um, yeah, it's, it's actually been really good. I was fairly scared, um, especially knowing that it was like negative 30 degrees at some points. Like that's just unheard of. Um, so I was, I was nervous that I wasn't going to like it and that it was going to affect, you know, my training and things like that. But um, I've, I've loved it so far. Like it, I keep saying, in Australia, we don't dress for winter. None of our buildings are heated very well um, because we don't need to. Um, 
so when you come here, you know, you dress properly and um, all the heated, all the buildings are well insulated and heated. So I'm less cold here in like negative 20 degrees than what I am in Australian winter when it's like 10 degrees. And at least they get some cool stuff out of it, like snow. It's pretty cool. Whereas in Australia, we just get wind and rain. So I think yeah. it's, I think it's pretty cool. So what's it like having Michelle close and on the daily getting instant feedback on everything that you're working on? Oh, it's amazing. I think after experiencing it at the games for a little bit, um, you know, like the week or so before the games, um, I obviously got to train with her and I couldn't believe that people were getting this all the time. Like it was just a no brainer for me. It was just a massive advantage that I knew that I could make happen. Um, it was going to be uncomfortable at the start, you know, change is always scary and um, stepping outside your comfort zone, but it's probably where the like most growth happens. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to see what um, changes and um, how it can impact my season going forward. Yeah, that's got to be a real game changer that you get that instant feedback every day and you're not waiting for like to send a video and get feedback or or whatever and you can fix it in the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think there's, I've never been in-person coach like that before. So um, there's obviously things that need to be worked on that she can help me with. And um, I think for me, that was a necessary step to happen um, in order to get to where I want to go to in the future. So have you guys sat down and thought about what your goals are for the 2022 season? Um, roughly. I think we have, without sitting down and chatting on all the specifics, um, we definitely have a good understanding of where I want to get to. Um, I mean, I do that personally um, and Michelle knows my goals. So um, yeah, I, I have no doubt that she's, she'll help me get there. And you're just 23 years old uh, for yeah. our listeners. So you are just entering the prime of that, that um, typical CrossFit age for success. Um, how excited are you for the next couple of seasons? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. I have to pinch myself all the time that this is my life. Like, you know, you, you dream of it, you imagine it, but you never really think it's going to happen. Um, so for it to all, you know, for me to actually be living my dream is just crazy. So what the, so you're going to be in Montreal up through the open and quarters, and then you'll have to go back to Australia for the semis, correct? Yes. I think, um, so yeah, I haven't moved here completely. I'm just here for a bit of training and um, to do the open and quarters with Michelle. And then I think the ruling is still for semis still based on um, citizenship. So I'll have to go back for to Torian to compete um, and then all going to plan, you know, making the games and um, I'll come back over and do a bit of games prep with Michelle. Well, that sounds so exciting. Um, I'm so glad you joined us. 
Uh, it was so fun watching you um, at at Wadapalooza. I uh, kind of hit the stage and there were people around me going, who is that? I'm like, you don't know who that is? Like I, I met her at the games um, yeah. and she's pretty awesome. So it was really cool kind of seeing your coming out party. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen now that you do get that, that immediate coaching uh, for this season. And I hope yeah, your travel you. goes much smoother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely better, better travel this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ellie. Um, and we'll let you get back to uh, your Sunday and uh, probably rest day today, right? Yes. Rest day today. Yeah. Good. Favorite day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube, as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.